You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you are joining us again this week uh, for another Bonfire Podcast. Um, If you're listening, we are still in our Coming King, the Lamb of Bethlehem series, and this is our Christmas Advent series. Uh, We've been in that series now uh, for uh, three or four weeks, and uh, today we're going to be going through um, our next session, and we've got one more to go, and I want to let everyone know about that. So uh, we're going to be releasing this um, on Sunday, of course, right here before Christmas, and then we're going to do um, a Christmas Eve release as well, and that will be our last podcast uh, for the series. It'll also be the last podcast uh, for us for 2020, and we'll take um, a, a, probably a week or, or two off and come back on uh, the other side of 2021 uh, with new content and new material. So uh, we appreciate your support and your listening and, and following us uh, throughout uh, 2020. Uh, this is our first year um, in doing this. We've been at it for about six months now, and it's been very successful. Uh, and so we thank you for that. Uh, we hope that you're getting a lot out of it. And we hope that you'll stick around for these last two episodes of this year and then uh, join us again next year as we start back. So um, for those of you who are listening uh, to us for the first time, we want to say thank you and encourage you to uh, stay with us and, and subscribe. If, if you like what you're hearing, to go back and check out some of our old podcasts. And again, those that have been listening for quite some time, we really appreciate uh, your um, just dedication to us. And, and so thank you so much for that. Well, Dad, as we get started, um, I wondered if you've been following the news lately. Have you been keeping up with what's going on? In- yeah, try to. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know what's happening this week? Well, there's going to be a conjunction of stars. That's right. Up. That's right. So uh, on Monday the 21st, uh, there will be a, an appearance of the Christmas star. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, this this Christmas star is a, is a pretty big deal. NASA describes it um, as a vibrant planetary conjunction as the bright planets of Jupiter and Saturn align in the sky. What's interesting about this year's spectacle is it's fairly rare Mm -hmm. because it's been nearly 400 years since the planets passed this close to each other in the sky. Uh And it's been nearly 800 years since they close uh, came this close together at nighttime where it was actually visible uh, to us. And so Mm -hmm. at night uh, on the 21st, if you look toward uh, the, the, I think it's the Southwestern sky, you should be able to see a bright star. It'll look like one star that is forming. uh, And it's actually those two planets coming together uh, and making what's known as the Christmas star. Yeah. You know, and uh, you may wonder why it's called the Christmas star. Well, a couple things are obvious there. One, it happens close to Christmas, so it gets that designation. But it's also in reference to the star of Bethlehem, that star that led the Magi to Jesus after his birth, according to Matthew's gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad, what's interesting is, uh, you know, modern history, or, or modern science, rather, has offered uh, a similar event as this as the explanation for the star of Bethlehem. Right. They've even said that maybe it was a comet or or maybe it was a supernova. Mm-hmm. I had to look up what that is. That's actually an exploding star um, that was that star of Bethlehem. But, you know, I personally believe that uh, God, the God of this universe, the God who spoke the world and everything in it into order, um, the one who controls the atoms and the molecules um, and put the planets into motion, uh, he doesn't necessarily need help from some cosmic event right. in order to put a spotlight in the sky. So, That's right. You know, I feel like uh, he can do exactly what he wants to do when he wants to do it. So while we don't know, you know, if this star or this conjunction is is 
is a reoccurring of that Bethlehem star. What we do know is uh, the purpose of the original Bethlehem star. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a guiding light. It was a beacon of hope. It was a sign, and it was a birth announcement. Mm-hmm. Our Bible tells us that uh, this star didn't. Uh, go unnoticed before there were magi or wise men who saw the star and followed it. And if uh, you're listening, you can probably go ahead and figure out what we're covering today. We're going to be talking about the magi, and that will be the focus of our study. You know, Dad, we got to confess, we don't really know much about uh, these men. That's um, right. And in fact, uh, unfortunately, what, what many people think they know about the men is actually incorrect. Right. Uh, there's been a lot of of kind of modern, uh, even secular history that kind of came into play with the the wise men. So I figured the best place for us to start is for us just to set the record straight right. and clear up some of the the misconceptions that often uh, time occur. So I, I, I saw, uh, I think I got three or four here that, that came to mind. And the first one is kings, mm-hmm. right? Um, many people say it's kings. We even sing a song, We Three Kings. Right. Um, the word tra- translated wise men or magi refers to a group of scholars uh, that study the stars. Uh, their title uh, does uh, lend it to, to the word magic that we get today, but it was probably a group of astrologers, you know, mm-hmm. folks that study the stars. Right. The other thing that we don't know is the actual number. Um, you know, we say that there were three, and we assume that from the gifts, right? There were three mm-hmm. gifts, so we just assume that there was three uh, wise men that came. Um, but we don't know that for sure. Right. Um, what we probably can probably almost be sure of is that there probably was more than three, right. at least uh, travelers that came. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, a journey that they took, they had to have uh, help and, and, and guards and probably uh, soldiers and cooks and everything else that came with them. So there That's was probably right. a large caravan mm-hmm. of travelers that came. The next thing that I saw that, that we oftentimes uh, get wrong is their names. You know, that modern, again, modern history has put names of these uh of these wise men, but the Bible has no reference uh, to their names. And then the last one that's probably most uh, hurting to, to folks is the nativity scene that's sitting uh, in their house on top of their their uh, shelf or a piano or where it may be um, is actually incorrect. Uh, the, you know, the, the Magi we know didn't arrive the night of Jesus's birth and was there right. with the shepherds. They actually arrived sometime later. Right. Than that. So he was living in a house. Jesus was when they came. That's right. He was he was living in a house um, at that time. And so those are some things that uh, we oftentimes get wrong about uh, these magi or wise men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the uh, term magi can give us a little clue about who they were. The expression wise men is derived from the Greek word. Uh, Magoi, from which we get our English word magic or magician. Now, Pharaoh had magicians in his court, and like with Pharaoh in Egypt, most every king in ancient times had wise men or magicians employed. And these men were the learned scholars of their time that had a grasp on science, which includes uh, medicine, astronomy, and astrology. And they also studied religion, but they were most noted for their study of the stars. Now, what could they do through the application of science seem to be like magic to onlookers? Now that we have a little better idea for who these wise men are, where did they come from? Well, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says that the wise men were from the east. Now, most likely, they came from Persia or Babylon, which today is Iraq and Iran. The book of Daniel tells us that the prophet Daniel was numbered among the wise men in Babylon. As a matter of fact, the scriptures 
tell us that he was part of that when the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had a disturbing dream. Daniel chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that he called the magicians, astrologers, and sorcerers to come to him to interpret the dream. And he didn't want them to just interpret a dream. He wanted them to tell him his dream. And then he said, uh, by you telling me my, my dream, then I'll have I'll have more confidence that your interpretation is correct. Mm. Well, of course, they were frightened out of their wits, and they let him know that they couldn't do that. Well, Daniel chapter two verses eleven through thirteen says that the Magi told King Nebuchadnezzar, "It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh." For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. And why did they seek Daniel? Because he was numbered among the wise men. Now, Daniel, however, had been given the ability to interpret the king's dream by God. And he went to the king and he told the king the dream and what the dream meant. Now, given that Daniel was a wise man in uh, Babylon and later for the king of Persia, once the Persians took over, I believe that it is very possible that the witness of Daniel of the true God was seen centuries later in these wise men who came seeking the newborn king of the Jews. You know, that's great information about magi and wise men. And and so, again, we don't know much, but that, but that information there as background is good. You know, the one thing, Dad, that I, I do know is that uh, the Magi, or the wise men, they got Christmas right. Yeah. You know, uh, because our Bible tells us that these men came to worship the newborn king, Jesus. You see, uh, for all of our listeners out there, we sometimes get it messed up and kind of mixed up, but Christmas should be a season of worship. Um, It's it's, that's what the season should really be about, is, is, is about worshiping the king. But often... Uh, we let the presence and the pageantry cloud our vision. We let the tinsel and the traditions uh, dominate our time, and we let the food and the folly shift our focus. So as we draw near to Christmas this year, I want us to take a, a few lessons from some wise men and look at the worship of these men, these wise men. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to focus in on today. And so as I was thinking about the the story in Matthew, and, and for those who've got your Bible, we'll, we'll of course be in Matthew chapter 2, the, the big theme of the wise men and, and the, the story of the wise men is worship, Dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, as I was trying to prepare and study for this, I couldn't get away from worship. I, I just mm-hmm. kept coming back to it. There's so many other things that we could, you know, try and talk about about them, but mm-hmm. but worship is is just something that seemed key to me. And I saw three things that really stood out to me about them. And the first is I saw that they had a desire to worship. Right. And um, when we look at the desire to worship, I want us to read Matthew, uh, starting in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Right. So God gave them a special sign. Um, a miraculous star that announced the birth of the king. That star led them to Jerusalem where God's prophets told them that the king would be born in Bethlehem. 
They went to Bethlehem and they worshipped him, the Christ child. Mm-hmm. From this, we see that they had a intent or a desire to worship. And, you know, as I was uh, reading the story and, and, and going through it, I was reminded uh, of something I learned um, all the way back when I was in, in college. I, I took mm-hmm. a psychology class uh, in college, and, and I remember this like it was yesterday, is that within all people, uh, scientists and psychologists and sociologists have identified that there is a instinct to worship. Uh-huh. And it has puzzled and baffled all of these scholarly people of our time as to why that is. Mm-hmm. And they've even gone as far as to research, you know, uh, chimps and, and monkeys and, uh-huh. and supposedly our, our close relatives. Oh, yeah. And they found that nowhere else in the animal kingdom is there this instinct to worship and to 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 worship it's only found in humans and i think something funny right here someone said well my relatives my ancestors might have swung by their necks but they didn't swing by their tails (laughs) that's exactly (laughs) right exactly right american uh so uh sociologist uh, scott uh pearson uh, said it this way. It says, there is no no known human society without something which modern social scientists would classify as religion with acts of worship. So even if you go to the depths of the Amazon jungle and find some uh, people group that have been uh, away from you know modern society, mm-hmm. there's still inside them this drive to worship. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I got to thinking about that, you know, for scientists, they can't figure it out. For me and you as as believers, we know exactly what that is. And we right. know that God has placed a, a God-shaped void in the in the soul and the spirit of every single mm-hmm. uh, human that he's created. And that's what draws them to worship. Right. But oftentimes we end up worshiping the wrong thing. That's we right. worship different things. We worship things that um, are not pleasing to, to God. So the question I have for our listeners today is, what do you worship? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's not a matter of if you worship, it's a matter of what you worship. It's right. an instinct that we all have. And so what are you worshiping today? If you're having a hard time understanding or answering the question of, of what you worship, let me put it this way. What does your life revolve around? Or I heard it put this way, show me your checkbook and I'll tell you what you worship. That's right. Yeah. The other thing I, I saw it said is, tell me what you cry about and that's what you worship. Yeah. Uh, the Bible tells us, Dad, that in Exodus 20, verse 3, that there shall be no other gods before me. So God, our God, he is a jealous mm-hmm. God. He yeah. wants all of our worship. Right. And he is due all of our worship, for he alone is worthy of our worship. Sure. That's exactly right. You know, I think about three elements of worship that are found in this story of the Magi, that of seeking, bowing, and giving. Uh, First of all, seeking, they came seeking the one that was born king of the Jews. And that's a part of our worship. God wants us to seek him, to get to know him. He's not hard to find. He makes himself available to us. And he wants us to get to know him and not just seek the work of his hands, but seek his face. That's what we hear about in the Old Testament, about seeking the face of God. That means to get to know him on an intimate level. So that's part of worship. And then bowing, of course, you know, 
Uh, they, I'm sure they came bowing uh, before him, offering their gifts. Uh, they humbled themselves before this one. Mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, obviously, we don't think they were kings, but <laughs> wouldn't it be something if they were, like that song says? And, and they were acknowledging that his kingdom, the kingdom of this child, was greater than their own. Yeah. You know, they came bowing and, and then giving, and then giving of gifts. Giving of gifts, that's right. So I ask you again, what are you worshiping today? I think that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves and put it in the context of, of Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy for us to get caught up in all the other things around Christmas. Uh, Christmas is a great time of year. It's a wonderful season. There's a lot of uh, things that I, I love as my favorite traditions. Right. Um, but sometimes those can cloud uh, a season of worship, and that's really what it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. But the wise men got it right. They came with the desire to worship the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And that's I think right. that's amazing that they did that, that they knew that, um, you know, they, we have to remember they were Gentiles, right? They were right. not Jewish people, mm-hmm. uh, but they knew as you, as you went through and had studied and, and saw the star, and they obviously had that background of prophecy about the king being born, uh, right. you know, there in, in, in Bethlehem. And so it's just an amazing story. The other thing, Dad, that I saw is, is that they had dedication to worship. Um, and if we look at verse one again, we see that they came from the east. Now you mentioned that um, you know many of Bible scholars and even secular historians believe yeah. that they came from Persia um, or Babylon, right? Right. And so, depending on which one uh, they came from, that's anywhere from five hundred to almost a thousand miles. Oh yeah, for them to travel. Uh, to get to uh, you know Bethlehem, where mm-hmm. where Jesus was born, and so without the aid of trains, planes, and automobiles, their journey would likely have taken them months mm-hmm. uh, to to get there. And we have to remember, you know, that at this time of, of world history, uh, there wasn't um, roads and, right. and 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 paths. Uh, it's a fairly treacherous uh, journey to go from what is modern day Iran or Iraq mm-hmm. over to Bethlehem. It's mm-hmm. a barren uh, deserts uh, with a lot of danger uh, that they could come into. And so mm-hmm. I just see that they had a lot of dedication by taking that journey. Think mm-hmm. of the cost. Mm-hmm. Think of the the time, the effort, the resources, and all of it was to worship the king. Right. That's exactly right. And uh, if you say it was a two-month journey, remember they journeyed there and they had to journey back. So mm-hmm. the, these these men and the, these travelers were taking a good portion of a year right. that they were dedicating to going to worship the king. And that, that just amazes me. The other thing that I... I noticed uh, when I read this or, or think about when I read this is is their persistence. Um, the Bible says that they came saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And the Greek word translated saying uh, is in the present active participle, which denotes that uh, continuous or repeating action. Mm-hmm. So I can see this group of caravan travelers with these wise men, and that tells me that they probably were going from door to door, person to person, saying, hey, where's that king at? Hey, right. where's that king at? And they didn't give up. And right. They just kept going and kept pursuing. Um, they came you know, to worship, and they fulfilled their desire uh, to worship. It, when I compare the actions, though, of, of these wise men um, and their dedication to worship, and I look at that of the present church, Dad, it concerns me. Yeah. Because I feel like uh, 
there's a lack of dedication, you know, right. in, in, in our churches, uh, particularly here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we've traded dedication for excuses, and you're a pastor, and you probably know this better than I am, and it probably, uh, I guess, probably impacts you more than it does me, but I can just think of the, the list of excuses I hear people give for not coming to church or to worship. Right. You know, uh, it's, uh, well, you know, I had to work five days last week. Yeah. And I only get two days off. Mm-hmm. That's one I hear quite a bit. Um, the other one I, I hear quite a bit is, well, we got a, we got a, a juniors playing in, in a baseball tournament yeah. on Sunday. And so we're, we're just not going to be able to make it right. uh, to church now. Or, uh, you know... <laughs> Now we have to say, well, if I come to church, I got to wear a mask. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> people, right. people don't want to do that. And I just think about the just the lack of dedication that that's that's uh, pervasive here. And then I look at other places in the world, and and our our podcast, Dad, we're blessed. We've got listeners um, and, and downloaders who are coming from all over the globe, mm-hmm. and um, they're coming in, in places that Christianity is not as as free as it is here. Mm-hmm. And I think about some of the countries in the world, our communist countries in the world. There are people right now in China who are in jail. Yeah. And they're in jail because they possessed one page that they had ripped from the Bible. Right. And they wanted so badly just to have a piece of God's word that they had one page that they yeah. ripped out. Right. And they find themselves in jail because of that. Right. I look at that dedication. I look at the dedication of the wise men, and then I look at the dedication of us and it just causes me grave concern Absolutely. that we, we don't have the dedication that we should. We've traded our dedication for excuses. Mm-hmm. But these wise men, man, they could have made excuses. Think about think about the excuses they could have made. They could yeah. have said, oh, I mean, uh, th- that that prophecy says that it, he's supposed to be born, you know, oh, in the city of David. Uh-huh. The city of David's a long way away from here. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. It's going to take us months to get there. we got to go over these mountains. I mean— most people that take that journey wouldn't survive. I could just list all of the excuses that they possibly could came up with. Right. But they didn't make those excuses. Yeah. They came, they were dedicated to their worship, and they worshiped the King of Kings. You know, I heard a good definition for an excuse one day. An excuse is the skin of a reason stuff with a lie. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I, yeah. I, I like that one. I'll have to use it again. So these wise men, again, they got Christmas right. Uh, they were dedicated fulfill- to fulfilling their desire for worship, mm-hmm. and they came and they worshiped the king. Dad, the last thing that I noticed about these um, wise men is that uh, they had delight or, or their delight in worship. And uh, l- let's look at verses 9 through 11 here, and I'll, I'll read that to everyone. It says, when they had heard the king, they departed. So let me let me stop before I go further here. Uh, in the story— the, these uh, wise men, they traveled this long distance, and they, they went first to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerusalem being the capital uh, city, it's also the religious headquarter of that time. And and so uh, that's where they went first. And again, they were going around asking, have you seen the king? Have you seen the king? Right. And so ultimately they said, well, you know, probably a good place to check for the king is at the palace. Yeah. And they went to see uh, the king at the time, King Herod. And they said, uh, where is this king uh, who's king born of the Jews? Mm-hmm. And obviously that was a statement at that time because this was a you know Roman empire. Right. And king of the Jews was a laughable statement. And so King Herod, though, he brought together all the, the rulers and the, the scribes and the scholars of the time. And, 
And they said to these wise men, and basically recounted the prophecy that the king would be born in Bethlehem. And so that's where we pick up in verse 9. It says, When they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, as I was looking at this, a couple things that came to my mind is uh, it says they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about um, even myself and the way that I worship. And I tried to remember, when's the last time that I worshiped with exceeding great joy? Right. And I'd ask all our listeners to think about that same thing. That like, That's a bold statement, exceeding great joy. Mm-hmm. That's not just your, your normal go to church and sing a song. Right. It means that they probably were jumping. They probably were shouting. They probably were raising their hands. Yeah. So excited because mm-hmm. that star had taken them to the place where the child, uh, again, the King of Kings was at. That's right. So they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When's the last time you rejoiced with exceeding great joy? The other thing that I saw is, again, as you said, they bowed, they fell down, and they worshiped him. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just, uh, these were obviously men of stature, mm-hmm. right? We've already said that they likely were not king, but uh, but they were probably uh, of some type of royal uh position or job uh, right. you know, in the king's court of some sort. They were used to people bowing to them when they would go down the street, probably because of their level in the government. Exactly. Know? And you said something earlier that really uh, made me think, you know, they humbled themselves and they mm-hmm. fell down before mm-hmm. uh, this child. And you got to remember this, Jesus was born to basically peasant parents. Mm-hmm. So even though they were not in the manger at this time, it says they were in the house. I can promise you it was not <laughs> the nicest of places. Right. You know, it, it was probably clay walls and dirt floor. And here are these, uh, you know, men and travelers that were probably, uh, yes, dressed to the nines because they, they were um, of means and they came and they bowed and they humbled themselves before the child. Right. You know, the last thing, Dad, that I see is that they did give, uh, they worship through giving. That's right. And they gave gifts and uh, they gave three gifts. Can you share with the listeners sure. about these gifts? Yeah. Uh, they came bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all of which were gifts fit for a king. It's amazing how symbolic these gifts were. The wise men may not have had a clue to the symbolism behind the gifts. And if they did, then it's even more amazing that these Gentiles from the East had more insight into the life of the Messiah King than the Jews. Take, for instance, gold is seen as a traditional gift for a king, and we know that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If indeed these wise men were kings, as the Christmas hymn says, we three kings of Orient are, and of course that's debated, then what we have in this story is earthly kings paying tribute to a king whose kingdom is higher than their own. Consider the second gift they gave Jesus frankincense. It was not only appropriate for a king, but also for a priest. Now, frankincense was an incense used by priests in temple worship. Well, did the wise men's gift of frankincense show that they acknowledged him as king with priestly duties? Mm. Consider the third gift that brought Jesus that they brought Jesus, and that's myrrh. Myrrh was a gift for the dead. It was a fragrant ointment used to anoint 
a body before burial. By giving this gift, were the wise men showing that they acknowledged that Jesus had come to die for the sins of the world? Now, we can't be certain what these wise men knew about baby Jesus. But one thing for sure is that the first presents were worthy of a king. Now, let me ask you, what have you planned to give Jesus this Christmas? You know you ought to give something to him. After all, it is his birthday that we're celebrating. But what do you have to bring him? As these wise men, you ought to give him an appropriate gift. One suitable gift for a king would be something other that he wants. Now, have you ever stopped to consider what Jesus would want? Now, you've got your Christmas list. Well, let me give you his. First of all, Jesus wants all people to know him and have a relationship with him to go to heaven one day. Did you know that there are billions of people who have never heard of Jesus? And we need to take the gospel to them. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. It is his will that all should come to repentance. Just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he commissioned his disciples to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It is up to us to get the gospel to those who have never heard. Uh, Many have been called to go, like as a missionary, to leave the comforts of home and go and live among those who have never heard about Jesus and to teach them about Jesus. Like I said, we call them missionaries. Others are not called to go, but they are called to support those that God sends. And we support them through our financial gifts and prayers. An appropriate gift to Jesus this Christmas would be a monetary gift to a missionary family that you know of or the missionaries that your church supports which is used to help these missionaries to be able to get the gospel out and to live where they're living, where you're not living, where they're living on the foreign field to tell people about Jesus. Now, this Christmas, plan on giving uh, to help support some missionary. Now, your gift, I think it should be at least $100 or more. You say, now, wait a minute. That's a lot of money. Well, let me tell you something. I went Christmas shopping this past week. Isn't it funny how small $100 looks at the mall and how big it looks at church? So give a gift fit for a king. Well, another gift that you could give to Jesus this year is to help someone in need. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. The Reader's Digest webpage ran a story uh, titled Angel on a Doorstep. It is a Shirley Bachelor's story. It is a story she told about a milkman named Ben who regularly delivered bottles of milk in her neighborhood. And uh, he was usually a happy-go-lucky person, Ben was. But on one occasion, he appeared gloomy. After slow, careful questioning, Shirley discovered that what made him look so gloomy was that two of his customers had left town without paying their bills. Consequently, he would have to personally cover the losses. One had owed him $10, but the other owed him $79 and had left no forwarding address. In talking about the one that owed him $79, he said, Well, she was a pretty woman with six children and another on the way. She was always saying, I'm going to pay you soon when my husband gets a second job. I believed her. What a fool I was. I thought I was doing a good thing. But I've learned a lesson, he told Shirley. Uh, I've learned a lesson. I've been had. The next time Bill delivered milk to Shirley's house, he was even more bitter at the woman. He bristled when he talked about the dirty little children who drank up all his milk. The charming little family had turned into a parcel of brats. 
Shirley found herself concerned about Ben, not because he'd lost $79, but because this experience was turning a warm, loving man into a bitter man. She wanted to help him. Then remembering that Christmas was coming, she thought of what her grandmother used to say, when someone has taken from you, give to them. Then you can never be robbed. Well, the next time Ben delivered milk, she told him she had a way to make him feel better. Well, nothing will do that, Ben said, but you can tell me anyway. Give the woman the milk. Make it a present to her and to her children who needed it. Ben said, are you kidding? I don't even get my wife a gift that expensive. You know what the Bible says, Shirley said. I was a stranger and you took me in. You just took her in with all of her children. Ben was unconvinced, but every time he delivered milk to Shirley's house, she would ask him, have you given her the milk yet? At first, Ben would answer with a snappy no, but it seemed that every time she asked, he would soften up a little. Six days before Christmas, Ben showed up at Shirley's house with a huge grin on his face. I did it, he said. I gave her the milk as a Christmas present. It wasn't easy, but what did I have to lose? It was gone, wasn't it? Yes, Shirley said, rejoicing with him, but you've got to really mean it in your heart. I know I do, and and I really feel better, said Ben. That's why I have this good feeling about Christmas. Those kids had a lot of milk on their cereal just because of me, said Ben. Well, the holiday came and went. On a Sunday, January morning, two weeks later, Ben ran up to Shirley Wait till you hear this, he said, grinning. He explained that he had been on a different milk route covering for another milkman. He heard his name being called, looked over his shoulder and saw a woman running down the street waving money. He recognized her immediately, the woman with all the kids, the one who didn't pay her bill. She was carrying an infant in a tiny blanket. Ben, wait a minute, she shouted. I've got money for you. Ben stopped the truck and got out. Well, I'm so sorry, Uh, she said. I I have been meaning to repay you. She explained that her husband had come home one night and announced he'd found a cheaper apartment. He had also gotten a night job. With all that happened, she'd forgotten to leave a forwarding address. But I've been saving, she said. Here's $20 toward the bill. Oh, that's right, Ben said. It's been paid. It's been paid. Paid, she she exclaimed. What do you mean? Who paid the bill? I did, said Ben. She looked at him as if he were the angel Gabriel and started to cry. Well, asked Shirley, what did you do? Well, I didn't know what to do, so I put my arm around her. Before I knew what was happening, I started to cry, and I didn't have the foggiest idea what I was crying about. And then I thought of all those kids having milk on their cereal. And you know what? I was glad you talked me into this. You didn't take the $20, asked Shirley. No, he replied indignantly. I gave her the milk as a Christmas present, didn't I? Your joy at Christmas, those of you out there in the podcast audience, is related directly to what you give. So what are you giving for Christmas this year? Why not Why not give a gift that's fit for a king, a gift to support missions, a gift to help someone else in need at this time of year. You know, these wise men, they gave us an example. And when we give our gift to God, give a gift that is suited for a king. Mm. That's a great story, Dad. And 
you know, as we get ready to close out our, our podcast uh, today, um, uh, just want to encourage every one of you to uh, consider uh, this is a season of worship. Um, it, it's easy for us to get it mixed up and twisted and 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 put things out of perspective. Um, but this is a season of worship, and it's not just a this season. It, it's a a um, just a demeanor we should have about us at all times that we should always be in a spirit of worship. And so, you know, this year I would encourage you if you haven't made this a season of worship. Worship. There's still time. Right. Uh, we still got uh, you know a week, almost two weeks, because uh, the Christmas season actually extends past the 25th mm-hmm. to really make this a season of worship and uh, worship the King. And uh, you can do that uh, through your worship. You can do it through your giving. Um, and so we just encourage you to make this a season of worship. Mm-hmm. Dad, will you pray us out of here? Yeah. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us in sending Jesus uh, to be our Savior. And, Lord, we think about how the, the cross, the shout of the cross, had to fall upon that manger. He came to die. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus came uh, to be a sacrifice for our sins. And perhaps, maybe in some way, uh, the wise men may have known what the mission was of this Messiah to the Jewish people and to the world. We don't know, but certainly their gifts remind us that he came to suffer and to die and to be raised again. Our Father in heaven, I just want to pray for those out there that don't have a Savior. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for those that are weighted down by their sin, uh, that are gloomy today, our Heavenly Father, that have no hope. Help them to realize that Jesus is our hope. And Lord, I pray that they will reach out in faith and accept what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty for their sin. Receive this babe that was born to die. And then, Lord, uh, live for him and serve him all the days of their life. And then, Lord, I pray for this Christmas. You know, the level of our joy is connected to the level of our giving. Help us, Lord, to to give gifts uh, to Jesus that's suited for a king this year. To support missions, this is a time when churches typically do that, and Christian people, as we remember those millions and billions of people that live around the world that's never heard about Jesus, that we might take the gospel to them. I think about these wise men that, that uh, trekked and traveled maybe 500 or 1,000 miles, as Matt said, to get to Jesus, and our missionaries travel that far away and even more than a thousand miles to go and tell people about this savior that was born so lord help us to remember remember them this time of year too we've got so much to be grateful for and we want to let you know lord we love you and if anybody hasn't received jesus as their lord and savior i pray that they will just call on god today call on you O god and ask jesus to forgive them of their sins to come and live inside of them through the spirit and change their life and it's in jesus name we pray Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.